0: We take for granted the fact that there's people around us that really care, that are watching that process unfold. And and they care enough to say something, do something, you know, offer help. I really hope that we don't take for granted the fact that we were given the dignity of a slow recovery. Is there anyone out
1: there? From Darkness to Life contains the real stories of individuals who found their way out of the darkness caused by mental health challenges and substance abuse. If these stories resonate with you and you or someone you love need help and don't know where to turn, Our Collective Journey is here for you. Please reach out when you're ready to ourcollectivejourney.ca or on Facebook at Our Collective Journey.
2: Hey everybody, Amber from Art Collective Journey uh, here at Plugged In Media Network from an, uh, getting ready to record another podcast, From Darkness to Life. Um, we got some special guests in the house. Uh, our buddy Ryan is here and Stacy brought him on today. He's a huge advocate for people with addiction and mental health in our community. Um, so we're super excited to hear what you have to say today. Thanks, Amber. Yeah, you're welcome. I guess I'll start with you, Ryan. How are you feeling today?
3: I'm feeling really good. Um, I was looking forward to this podcast all week. This episode is a huge one, I think, and anybody looking to take that first step from active addiction or substance abuse and get into recovery. And, uh, you know, we had, just to share a little light on how our guest ended up here today, we had, you know, one of our other members who was going to step up and be part of this today, something popped up and. Instantly, I thought of our good friend, Stacy here, because this is a gentleman that really helped me and continues to help me in my recovery. And I thought the way he explains and the way his experience, he shares that. I'm like, this is a no brainer. We got to reach out to this fellow and see if he wants to come on today. Cause it's, <laughs> if it can get through to me, it can get through to a lot of people out there. I think so. I'm yeah. excited. I'm super excited. I'm, I'm
2: super excited too. I've had a couple conversations with Stacy over the last couple of weeks about addiction and and, uh, I haven't known you for that long, but I was like, wow, this guy's got a wealth of knowledge and it's really empowering listening to you chat. So it's been cool getting to know you as well. How are you doing today, Stacy?
0: I'm doing very, very, very well. Thank you. And, uh, I've been fortunate to, um, gain a lot of the wealth and knowledge from, um, great people sharing their, um, journey with me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so I'm, I'm, uh, just a vessel of, uh, knowledge that gives back and I'm grateful for that. And I'm very, uh, comfortable meeting with you guys today here and, and I hope anybody listening to this podcast that's struggling or, or, um, you know, really, uh, really looking for direction in life finds it today, Mm. you know, in some capacity and, uh, you know, it starts with surrender. Yeah, opinion. So what a great day to be here.
3: Absolutely. Yeah, and, and, cool. you know, we were talking earlier this week about what we should do this week. Let's talk about something. We just happened to not have a guest lined up and it just seemed like a no brainer to talk about surrender. Cause without that, it's very difficult to move forward in recovery and stay in recovery long enough. Right. And, uh, when we, when we started sh- talking about that concept, you know, Amber's pull it right up. This is amazing. And, uh, I, I firmly believe it's like that initial foundational piece that we need to start in the right direction is that complete surrender. And, you know, I hear, I heard that at the start of my recovery journey and people talked about surrender and, you know, if you're a part of a 12 step group or anything like that, that's a big basis of that program. And I had no idea what that meant. I, I had no idea what surrender meant because growing up in the life I came from and as a male and all these things, right? We talk about surrender is a bad thing. And I was taught never to surrender. It's a sign of weakness. And it's all these different things that kept me out there sick for so long.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You, without knowing what that means, we just keep fighting, fighting it in our addiction and staying in our addiction because we don't know anything different. What's your thoughts, Stacey?
0: Um, Well, you know, surrender is um, the first rational, reasonable um, choice I can make for self-preservation, you know, without it, um, you know, and actually it's the last choice I had. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, as much as I regretted being at that point in my life, it was so necessary to get there to become reasonable and rational. And uh, and the the good part of surrender is the fact that I still had um, the ability to make a decision, you know, and it may have been the last decision I was ever going to make, and um, you know, unfortunately, I made that decision, and uh, it wasn't made out of weakness; it was um, made out of strength, mm-hmm. you know, because to to um, choose surrender is, you know, the greatest um, strength I, I could put forward against substance abuse and and the uh, the difficulties of life um, that that was going to have any reasonable effect, Yeah. you know, and, and they talk a lot about self-care, um, you know, being important with part with surrender because, uh, you know, it's, with addiction, it's just a long drawn out form of, uh, suicide. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so, so my value of life or my value of, of, uh, problem solving or being reasonable was gone. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and I had to realize that. And the only way I could get there was, um, you know, knowing that I'm facing an, um, a uh, foe that um, is my equal and, and likely I'll
3: die Yeah, too, you know, and it's not that time. <laughs> Absolutely. I like that part. You talked about it being your last choice. Um, and man, can I resonate with that? Because we talk about this lots, right? I tried every other way before making that choice. I, you know, and I blamed everybody else. I thought, you know, it's, and I hear this in my, in my uh, profession and working with other people who are struggling with addiction, right? It's, it's, Housing's fault. It's Asia's fault. It's my addiction counselor's fault. It's my parents' fault. It's all these other people. And and for me, when I was you know justifying that in my head, and that's what it came down to at the end, was justifying and rationalizing my behavior and my addiction. Um, I looked at every other person, and I would never once you know look at the addiction itself. That's not the problem. It's it's the world is the problem. It's not me or my addiction. And that surrender piece, yeah, you nailed it. I think is the last choice I had to make was man, maybe it is me and maybe it is this addiction. And that's, that's the piece that I cannot control. Like I've been trying to control it for how many years now? And it's led me to suicide. Obviously I can't control this. Like you said, this foe that's so powerful out there that, oh man.
2: I loved that last step. Man. That was a very powerful way of looking at it for sure. Yeah. We're all in the same boat. Everybody got to suicide or, or we're dying. Great. Yeah. Right? And, and that is your last your last change before you're going to change for the better, right. And change your life to be completely different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Cause like the way we've been day. doing it
3: and thinking for ourselves and trying to think our way out of this and, you know, it's, it's a disease that uh, you really can't think your way out of on your own. It's, it's, you know, and we try it for years and years. I know I did in my experience and that's all I can speak from, but I tried every other way out there, like I said earlier, and, man, it just all led to the same roadblocks and the same dark spots. And, and finally, you know, at the end of the day, it led to suicide.
2: Yeah.
3: Yeah. And there was no way that, that I was going to get out of this on my own. And that was the, that was the place of surrender. And, and it's not a, I don't want to think for myself, I don't even know if it was a conscious choice at the end. It was almost like an unconscious choice. Just this calmness came over me that it was like, man, I got to try this other way because every other way was not working for me. And then it started to, you know, work its way into my brain and I could start wrapping my head around this, what surrender would look like. And with the help of people at a treatment center I was at and whatnot, it became a lot clearer for me, but it was almost an unconscious decision at the end for me. Was, yeah. Which sounds strange because I don't know how you can talk about it now knowing it was unconscious then, but it was like this, this calmness came over me like, ah, I think this this is the other way. And what's the worst that can happen at the end of the day? If that doesn't work, there's always drugs and alcohol. I can always go back to it. Yeah. (laughs) Which is going to kill me in the end of the day.
2: Yeah. Don't go back there.
3: No, I'm going (laughs) to really try not to. Not today. Not
0: today. Well, you know, the surrender, I, I don't believe is, you know, the hardest decision we have to make. It's the, the fear of the unknown mm-hmm. that underlies surrender. You know, it's like, well, I become so comfortable in my pain and misery that, um, and I understand it. So, why change now? You know, even though there doesn't seem to be any happiness, joy, or, or mm-hmm. fulfillment there, um, it seems better than living in the unknown. You know, and, uh, and unfortunately that's, that's just the way of life. You know, um, I grew up in alcoholism and I, I didn't realize, you know, what I didn't know and how, you know, as far as being adult and, and maybe not having some of the living skills that were necessary to, you know, live the way the rest of the world was living. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and had to surrender to that early in recovery and, you know, and, and it falls into our spiritual principles of, um, You know, where this knowledge came to me from outside of myself that, you know, showed me that, you know, I don't have to live the way the rest of the world's living. I just have to live a life that I can find acceptable, Mm -hmm. that I can find happiness, peace and joy in. And, uh, you know, so I had to surrender some of the beliefs that were false. You know, I had to surrender some of the life skills that I learned that um, may not sustain me for. Ever, (laughs) you know, and, uh, and it was kind of a backwards process. You know, we talk about getting here by, you know, figuring out what we're powerless over and how unmanageable it's making our lives. Unfortunately, surrender works backwards for me in that capacity where I find out how unmanageable life is to learn what powerlessness means, Mm -hmm. you know, life is showing that I'm, you know, um, some of the things that the decisions I made have, you know, caused me pain and suffering in in my latter years. And, uh, you know, and that's just something I can't change. So, you know, and either way that I learn, that is going to be a valuable skill to me for everyday
3: living. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's pretty amazing. I could just sit
2: and listen to you talk. (laughs) (laughs) Just like silence. Yeah. Yeah, Right.
3: But I, I totally agree in that part about, fear and the unknown keeps a lot of individuals out there using and keeps them, you know, like you, I really find it intriguing and resonates with me that comfortable piece, right? We're comfortable in, even though from the outside in, it looks like chaos and it's, you know, addiction is chaotic and we're hurting a lot of people, but when you're in the middle of it, it's, it's comforting because you know, what's going to happen most of the time you, you know what the outcomes are going to be. And when you talk about getting into recovery, yeah. Wow how f- terrifying that can be because it is unknown, right? It's, 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 I talked to some individuals that it's like a grieving process once they get into recovery because drugs and alcohol have been their best friend for so long. That's it's very reliable. They know where it's going to be all these things. Right. But when you're in the middle of it, it's so hard to see how destructive it really is.
2: Yeah. It's the one constant thing that you can rely on. Mm-hmm. Right.
3: And it's immediate yeah, most of the time. Right. And it works fantastic at the start for a long time yeah. until it stops working Yeah. and that compulsion and that obsession takes over and the eventually psychosis and all these things. Right. And we're suddenly doing things that we never thought we were going to do in a million years. And suddenly we're in the middle of that. And uh, yeah, it, it eventually leads us to those dark places that we talk about all the time on this show. So that's the terrifying part is what does recovery look like, especially in those circles of active addiction there aren't many examples of what a recovered person looks like or what recovery looks like, or you're surrounded by like-minded individuals that are using and drinking and whatever else is happening and that behavior that goes along with it. And you don't have any examples. So yeah, of course it's going to be terrifying to think I've talked to so many people that just say there's, well, there's no recovery in this city. I'm like, Hmm, weird (laughs) here. I'm surrounded today by two, you know, individuals who are recovering and it's amazing. Once you get exposed to that network.
2: Once you get exposed to it, you find it's larger than you could have ever imagined. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what I noticed because I, I just didn't think I didn't have all those resources, right. And not knowing, and then I know it now as an adult and yeah, there's so much out there for people and support groups in our community that could be helpful to them. Yeah. Getting, a uh, getting past that, you know, surrendering and then getting past all those fears is the hard part, but there's lots of people in this city that can be helpful.
0: Well, you know, with, with, um, in the just of surrender, um, and using <laughs> changes, uh, always was always the problem in, in the active addiction days. Yeah. Um, you know, change was to be feared. Change meant gloom and doom and and mm-hmm. suffering. And, uh, you know, and, and today, um, in a, in a different perspective, you know, we see how necessary change is, but uh, that process to change only really comes one way. <laughs> you know, when we, our, our best thinking is exhausted all other avenues. Right. And, uh, and then we find that that acceptance to that change. And, and you know, the, the battle comes from the resistance to it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's going to be a resistive procedure because, uh, you know, that's, that's, was the repetition that we live with to get here, you know, and I don't like to to generalize Mm -hmm. so much, but, uh, you know, I've heard it over and over and over again how, you know, um, everything had to be kept just the way it was so that we didn't, you know, compromise our ability to find substance or to manage our home lives or to, you know, deceive the people that we loved cared about or worked with of our, our addiction. And, um, you know, and how much effort we put into that to the point of developing mental illness in the form of, uh, obsessive compulsive disorders. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, to get those, um, to get that wisdom <laughs> from the, from those situations, um, doesn't come easily, you know, and it only comes from living a different way of life, which requires surrender on a daily basis. You know, um, I can't generalize about what worked for me, you know, many years ago or decades ago, because it probably isn't working for me today. Mm -hmm. You know, I have to get up today and surrender (laughs) continuously. You know, I turn on the TV, see what's happening in the world. I got to surrender because I can't change it. You know, um, I look at my, my day timer and I see what I need to do today. And, and that I do, you know, accept, but the rest I have to, you know, surrender to, to find, you know, what,
3: what the wisdom is there. Yeah for sure. And I think that was a big realization for me as I, you know, made it past year one and year two. And and I got into some, some form of, you know, long-term recovery was that repeating that surrender on a daily basis. Cause at the start, you know, I went to treatment and I am presented with this program of recovery and okay, step one, you got to surrender and admit your powerlessness and your life's unmanageable and all these things. Right. And I'm like, okay. And it took a while, but I did that. And then it, you know, it was explained to me that, okay, it's not one and done. Like this is something you're going to have to do on a daily basis. And there's been times early in my recovery that I would test that and I wouldn't surrender and I'd start doing things my way again. And man, things got crazy in my life, right? I was running on my own will and I was worried about the rest of the, like you said, Stacey, the rest of the world and the things that were out of my control. I was worried about them all and trying to control them in my mind. What am I going to do to change the outcome of this? And it was all stuff that I had no influence over, And then it was when I met, well, you were a big part of that for me, Stacey, when I moved to Medicine Hat And and just listening to you talk and based on your experience and what this means to you and these principles of life. And it it really hit home that this is a daily surrender, right? And we talk about this lots too, where if I don't do it, I can tell throughout the day. And it doesn't take very long that, man, uh, something's missing today. What's going on today? And it's, yeah, I've tried to take back. You know my old way of thinking, and that surrender piece is so huge on a daily basis.
2: Can't remember what I was going to say
3: squirrel. Yeah, that's all right. This happens in this room it happens quite often. To me. You know, <laughs> and when you talk about, we were talking about you know what brings somebody to surrender, and I think it's that that concept of when the pain of staying the same. Is greater than the pain, the pain of, or the fear of change, right? And it's that fear piece. When my life became so painful at the end that I was going to take my life, and obviously it didn't go that way through the grace of my higher power or God, as I like to call him. But you know, the next day it was like, man, I'm terrified. But surely this journey into recovery or trying this other way isn't going to be as terrifying as last night was. And that was that where the balance shifted a bit. And I was willing to look at surrendering to this new way of living because, oh my goodness, how dark and gross was that last few minutes of my life? And surely this can't be any worse. So what do I have to lose than try to get into recovery? And I think that pain and that fear, goes hand in hand at the end, right? We fight for so long. You know, I, I work with so many people that come into my office or come in, you know, I talk to them on the phone or whatever. And I hear, I don't know. What do you, what do you want to do? I don't know. Or what do you think the problems are? I don't know. And really, I think they do know it's that fear piece though, that keeps them from taking that step into, into that action piece, into trying something different. It's easier. And I can put myself in those shoes early on thinking it was so much easier to say, I don't know, than to try to take accountability for the pieces. I do know that are ruining my life, but I'm too scared to look at changing them. And, uh, yeah was that morning when I surrendered that that shifted the scales for me. And, and now I, like we've talked about surrender is the biggest piece of my life and it doesn't just come with recovery or it, you know, it doesn't pertain to active addiction. Um, it pertains to everything in life. Like you were saying, Stacey, you flip on the news. It's chaos out there in this world right now, but what can I control about it? Right. And what can I do about it? Not a whole lot in sitting in my living room, enjoying coffee and my, pjs so i better just surrender to this today
2: yeah i've turned off my social media because i was definitely getting down a rabbit hole with that and it, it worries me mm-hmm. like it it wholeheartedly was worrying me to the point i was like feeling like i was gonna start losing sleep and i was like listen yeah this isn't something i can control and that's similar to coming out of my addiction too and like you said like what is the what is the worst? Like I was homeless. My <laughs> life is far greater today than it was then. And have I had to uh, work through some really hard things in my life? Yes, that I have to face some really shitty stuff that happened. Absolutely. But my life is far greater for all those things. Yeah. And and I'm still learning. Like going through the like the twelve steps has brought even new things to my life and and changed, which is super cool. It's probably why I get stuck like just listening to you guys because you you know, you work through those steps a a little while ago and you have so much knowledge and some of them is still very new to me. And, and I know Ryan talked to me a little bit about like, you know, the surrendering thing of like, not knowing what's to come and just maybe having a moment with yourself in the car to be like, all right, I'm going to chill out because there's really not much I can do and let myself relax and Mm -hmm. get back to my day. Yeah. And I've been trying to do that, which is super cool. And I love it. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's so helpful. It is, right? You take that stress down and take social media away and <clears throat> life's chaos is away. And yeah, got one life to live.
0: And, uh, Let's do it happy. Yeah, and that life is um, is very short. <laughs> yeah. For, you know, people that have suffered, uh, you know, great um, stress. Sh- sh- Struggles and trials in life. Sometimes think that it went on forever, and mm-hmm. if you look back, you'll see how small of uh, a period of time it actually took, and and how much times transpired since. Yeah. You know, and that's what I find today uh, for for using this principle on a really daily or moment to moment basis is the stuff that um you know I'm worrying about, and and by the way, worrying is is just waste of time. Today, mm-hmm. <laughs> I have found <laughs> the stuff I'm worrying about's already happened. Yeah. it's already in the past and uh you know and that was one of the the most difficult um areas of life that I did have to surrender was that hope for a better past you know um there there was no changing it mm-hmm. and uh and the timing was divine you know things happened um the way they did for a reason and um you know and I don't always understand that reason and and that's part of the surrender process is, you know, is being able to reason that part of it out is, you know, this isn't a painful process. This isn't going to, you know, cause suffering or strife for me. It, it's just the way that I'm going to gain knowledge and and living skills for the future. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I don't have to focus on the past, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, um, and fortunately today uh, with surrender, when, when I get the fight out of the way. I can look back and garner that wisdom and and see clearly, you know, the blessings or the reason why certain um, instances did occur, you know, mm-hmm. or experiences. And um, you know, you mentioned grief, Ryan, and uh, that's one of the most difficult areas to to surrender. You know, the loss of a loved one, mm-hmm. the loss of a. a, a a job or a relationship. You know, I hear more relationship stories today that, that are so tragic and, you know, and sometimes we think that that's, you know, that's a a, a visual representation of how much we loved. And unfortunately it's a very good representation of, uh, insanity, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, is, is trying to, um, changed the past and uh you know everything happened for a reason and will continue to happen and will take us where we have to go and you know and when I can garner the 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 wisdom from surrender I can look back and see how how important it was and you know and I I learned that in in respect to uh, a brother that I lost to addiction uh 10 uh, 11 years ago now Mm -hmm. and uh you know I see that 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 was um you know, his only opportunity for peace was a release from this. And, you know, and and that's the hardest part of surrender for me today is knowing that um, not everybody is going to, going to learn this principle and going to benefit from the wisdom and, you know, the benefits of, of learning it to have long, healthy longevity, Mm -hmm. you know, and and that's one of the hardest things to surrender today is, you know, um, the fact that if you're not you know, sitting here talking about recovery tomorrow, we'll miss you. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and I have to surrender that with every suffering addict that I meet out there is that, you know, that trip to the park today might be their last Mm -hmm. or, you know, that, that Mm -hmm. building downtown where they stop to use might be the last place that, that um, they see. And, uh, you know, and that's, that's probably the most difficult part of surrender today is, is, uh, you know, taking people for who they are, what they are in this moment, (laughs) not what I want them to be or or where I want them to be. And, uh, and that's so difficult, but so necessary in life. Isn't that the
3: truth? And, you know, you talk about that might be their last stop in the park today or whatever. Right. And for me, you know, I'm so grateful that I got into recovery when I did, because there wasn't the, the concoctions that are out there on the street today and the fentanyl and the car fentanyl and all these things weren't the, the issues back then. And. Today it is like that, right? It could be the very last time you take a breath of air in this world. If you go out and have one more, one more won't hurt. And how many people, you know, being in the professional world, you know, you have, you have instances where you meet individuals for an hour a week or an hour every two weeks and you talk to them and you get to know them and build that therapeutic relationship with them. But taking that one step farther for, in my experience, you know, and part of being part of the recovery community because I'm actively in recovery, I I'm, was an addict, right? And I get to meet all these individuals, same as you, Stacey, and same as you, Amber. And we get to form relationships with these people outside of a professional capacity. And and how many people have we seen not make it back, right? And they, I, I, I've worked with a few people that, you know, aren't here, unfortunately, any longer. And that's just the thing, right? That how painful that is. And it's that that one and done risk that everybody takes out there. And I've worked with enough people and same as everyone in this room that, you know, they, they don't stick around the rooms or they don't stick around the action pieces long enough to see the miracle happen. And they go back out one more won't hurt or things get too painful in the moment. And we know the quick escape that going back to using drugs and alcohol or substance will provide not recognizing the dangers that come with that. And it's immediate in most instances.
2: Yeah. It's pretty scary out there today. Very scary. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry that you lost your brother. Mm -hmm. I lost my mom to addiction too. She didn't make it out. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. I remember, I remember too, like in that time that grief is, you said one of the hardest and man, is it ever I'd come out of my addiction and I still think it took me 10 years to get over it and under actually fully understand it too. Mm it's a, it's a terrible place and we don't want to keep losing people to this disease. That's for sure.
3: Yeah. And that's the, that's the hard, honest truth is that that's, we know this from the programs we work and whatnot, right? And the examples in our lives that we see all the time is you either end up in jail or uh, in an institution or unfortunately in the ground, if you continue down that path long enough, it might be another week. It might be 10 years from now, but that's where it takes us eventually. And, all three of us here can attest to that, right? Amber, you ended up on the streets and yeah. close to death, I'm sure.
2: Oh yeah. I, I'm sure I would have died if I'd stayed. If I didn't have that awakening Yeah, that morning, I, I don't believe that I would sit here today.
3: For sure. And yeah. anyone who's listening that thinks, man, that won't happen to me. Because I used to think that too. That happens to other people, not me though. Yeah. Man, I tried to take my life. And there was no way if you had asked me a week prior to that, was I going to do that? And absolutely not. But within a week I was taking my life and that's the chaos and the insanity of the disease of addiction is, man, it tipped that scale so quickly for me and there was no coming back. No. Until the pain and the fear, you know, I could figure those two out and take that unknown crazy step into the unknown, which is the, which is the scariest step I had to take, I think, which seems so bizarre after what had happened to me. But, um, Yeah. Going to treatment for me and, and I was fortunate enough that the treatment center I went to was, you know, for me anyway, it worked for me and it resonated with me was a 12 step um, program that I could resonate with. And I had the opportunity to connect with a few individuals that worked there who had lived experience as well. And I could resonate with some of their stories and they took me through step one thoroughly, which was a massive eye opener to me because I had tried the program once before and, you know. I'll do it my way. I'll do Ryan's 12 steps <laughs> and it doesn't work that way. Right. It doesn't work that way. And that's why I'm so fortunate to have met you and, and all the other individuals that I meet that have a successful, uh, recovery. And it's not because they're amazing people. It's because they put the work in and they, and they took those same steps and they committed to it. And here they are today, willing to share and willing to help the next person. And, you know, you're one of the first people I met in the city and that's, That's what stuck with me. And that's why I attend the areas and the rooms that I attend is it was explained to me early on that, you know, go find these, these recovery rooms and go listen for messages of solution and go listen for something that you want in your recovery. And, and those are the people that you start replacing some of the other people within your lives. Right. And, and hang out with those people. And it doesn't work like magic. You just happened to be one of those gentlemen. I walked in on a Sunday night and heard your message. And I thought, man, this guy's got a lot that I want. <laughs> I think I'll come back next week. Yeah. yeah. And seven years later, here we are sitting in a podcast studio. Oh my goodness. Who would I ever thought this would happen? But that's the gifts of recovery we talk about. Right. And, and you don't start to experience them until you take that first step.
2: Yeah. It's pretty interesting. Like my mom didn't really have any support either. And, and I looked back on my life like and I met you guys and then I was it was like a really like awakening to my life I was like you know what like best day of your life best day of my life (laughs) 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 um (laughs) it was that was great um I I think my mom lacked a good support system long term which you know put her life into turmoil and that was a really big awakening for me after meeting is like I actually didn't have the support groups and I was like you know I don't I don't also want to end up when I came out of addiction, I said, I didn't want to die like my mother. Mm -hmm. And I sit here, you know, how many years later saying, I also don't want to get back at 40 and die like my mother Mm -hmm. because that's really what happened. Yeah. So like the room is, is so important and working the steps and, and being active in the community, I think is Mm -hmm. just so important for that.
0: Well, you know, with, um, with trying to, you know, help people see, the benefits to surrender is, 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 very obviously very difficult that's one of the, the you know the the uh, greatest reasons people don't make it or make it even in the door is the fact that um, you know we don't understand why we need to surrender because the disease is such a deception right it's it's the only disease that tells you daily you don't have a disease
2: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know there's,
0: you know, there's no problem <laughs> here um, I can stop anytime I can control it I only am doing it on weekends I'm only doing it to you know get over the stress of work I'm only doing it because my partner's mm-hmm. you know acts the way they do or my children or my parents um the world's you know a terrible place to live I need my release I need my escape um and unfortunately I don't think we really give substance the credit for the foe that it is the powerful foe that it is Mm -hmm. and um you know and and uh you know I, I battled with it since um you know early uh teenage years and or adolescent years even and um you know, and, and it won every time. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I didn't win one battle. I just got fortunate to survive long enough to realize that I wasn't going to win. I wasn't going to be successful at life and continue to use substances, mm-hmm. you know, or uh, be successful at life and continue to manage mental illness. Yeah. Um, you know, both had to be faced and, and, um, and looked at reasonably and, and rationally to mm-hmm. see that, you know, Substance alone, alcohol alone, has uh, killed more people than all the world wars. Yeah, you know we put so wow. much emphasis on, you know how how terrible those were, you know, and plagues and and all sorts of things, and and we look right past the the glaring, mm-hmm. um, you know, killer that's that's in our midst, that's that's in the cabinet or on on top of the fridge in almost every home, or you know, on every corner of 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 every street mm-hmm. um, you know and then to mix in other substances with that that aren't so easily seen or, or readily accessible um, you know really desensitizes me to the fact of the dangers that are inherent in it yeah. and, um, and why I take it for granted that you know it's not and and uh, or why I did take it for granted <laughs> because uh, once you know like like you were saying earlier Ryan where you start your day with with that surrender once I see it for what it is come to accept the fact that you know this is a foe that I will not win over mm-hmm. um, then I get to develop new methods to manage it on a daily basis right and um, you know and, and that practice will will carry through and carry me through the days when I'm not so willing mm-hmm. to surrender or in the situations that I feel unable or, or un, it's unnecessary to surrender. And then when I am shocked by it, <laughs> it comes so naturally to, yep. okay, I, I I can just let this go, Yeah, <laughs> you know, and, um, and that's, that's as simple as surrender is today. Yeah. Just letting go. You know, and um and I, I used to hear stories about, you know, I didn't let go of anything without um <laughs> you know, leaving uh, fingernail marks on it, you know. <laughs> I let go of it when it was ripped out of my hands. Today, if it's too heavy for me to carry, I have to let it go. Yeah. I have to surrender it to a power greater than myself, um, and uh and give up my vain attempt to control. Yeah. You know, and uh and it's 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 very um powerless feeling. But, you know, it it determines my happiness today. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and and I hope that, uh, you know, if anybody is carrying any load that is too heavy, that they do become willing to let it go. Look for the help out there Mm -hmm. that will lighten that load for you because it's there. And it's usually right in front of you. And it's the last place we want to look for it.
3: Yeah. Isn't that the truth? You know, it's so true what you're speaking to there, Stacy? because, you know, I have a lot of individuals that ask me or they can't believe what my, you know, they know me nowadays and they can't believe my lifestyle used to be what it was. You're so calm and you're so this and you're so that right. And that's the piece that got me to where I am today. And this demeanor and this serenity that I have in my life is recognizing what I can control and where do I put my energy today? And it's not in, you know, the peripheral, and it's not in the stuff that's on the outside that I used to worry about all the time and try to manipulate and control. And that has been the biggest game changer for me, you know, spiritually and and in that serene living is recognizing what I can control and letting go of all the rest. You know, the fight is over. I don't have to, like you said, put my nail marks and all that stuff anymore. And that has been a life-changing mind alteration for me is, uh, yeah don't fight the things you can't control, but it sounds easy because in my previous life, I thought I could control everything and it wasn't until that's, you know, that concept of surrender and I really, it didn't happen overnight. It took a lot of reading, a lot of listening, uh, a lot of listening to other people's experiences, what surrender looked like for them. And, and eventually it came and it was like a weight being lifted off my shoulders. And, uh, if I, Yeah. It's a daily thing, and and my life continuously gets better as long as I remember that principle.
2: Yeah, that's something I, I work on still to this day. It is not an easy thing to oh. give up. My husband would tell you I would fight him all day long to win an argument or something, and I've definitely changed a lot over the the last couple of years in that, because I didn't even realize it was like a a defect that I had, mm-hmm. right? Because nobody, I lived by myself for forever, so nobody ever had to call me out on my shit either. But yeah, he does. Yeah. And yeah, it's control is a really big piece that comes with that, and it's crazy. You can be think you're in control of even the <clears throat> smallest things. I find in your house that yeah. you know you just cling on to whether it be cleaning something or who didn't clean something. Like it's. Ridiculous. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. It reminds me of that saying we hear it all the time is I'm, what, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. And for me, the way out of that was surrender, right? Cause I tried to think my way out of that. I tried to put the blame on everything else, but at the end of the day, it, it all came back to me and my choices. And what can I do about the issues that I'm struggling with? And it came down to surrendering and, and then what's next, what's yeah. the action piece. Right. And it's, it's, that's where the groups of recovery, the 12 step groups came in for me is it laid out the action steps for me. I didn't have to, you know, come up with reinventing the wheel again. And I just have to be willing to believe that this is going to work for me because it's worked for hundreds and thousands and millions of other people before me. And it all starts with surrender. You know, that, um, the whole time factor there of, you know, getting to that point
0: or going through that process. And, and I think we, we take for granted the fact that there's, people around us that really care that are watching that process unfold and, mm-hmm. and they care enough to say something, do something, you know, offer help. And, um, you know, and and I, I really hope that, you know, that we don't take for granted the fact that we were given, you know, the dignity of a slow recovery to get to this point of mm-hmm. surrender. You know, when I look at the things that that, you know, <laughs> I went to to war over some of the littlest things, you know, and and how fruitless and useless they were, yeah, you know. But it was the process that I needed to go through to find the way that I needed to to move forward, right? And um, you know, and how how fortunate I was to have people around me that you know were um capable of seeing that, and uh, you know, and I learned from their surrender, but I learned after, yeah, <laughs> I learned by looking back, going wow, you know, like they would pick me up at the, pr- at the drunk tank in the morning or mm-hmm. send me money in prison or come to the hospital with, you know, clean clothes or, or, or shoes. You know, I'd, i always lost my shoes, <laughs> you know, some, <laughs> <a> shoe <laughs> <I didn't tell.
3: laughs> Stacy you know, wants his shoes back. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and, uh, um, you know, and I'm so grateful for that. And, and, you know, the world is teaching me everything I need to know if I want to see it, you know, and, and I'm hearing it today from, from both you guys, you mm-hmm. know, like, uh, I love the fact that, um, you know, people garnered something from something I said in the past, but, you know, surrender today is, is living in today yeah. and knowing that, you know, everything that, that is necessary, valuable and important is happening right in this moment,
3: mm-hmm. you know,
0: and to surrender, some unreasonable hopes for the future or, you know, (laughs) some lack of acceptance in the past to really get into the moment to hear what life is saying to me right now. And you two are speaking
3: very loudly to me. Oh, that's so awesome to hear. And you know that you, everything you say is, you know, I've been fortunate enough that I've heard Stacy say this stuff Mm -hmm. a lot in my past, but it's not falling on deaf ears. Every time he says it, right. I hear something new every time he speaks and that present moment piece, right. That's been a huge piece to my Recovery as well. And it took a lot of practice how to live in the present moment. And if Rick was here, he'd share his technique on how to get people into the present moment. But you'll have to listen to an old podcast to hear that. But for me, it's, you know, I used to worry so much about the future and, and trying to focus on what ifs and all these things that I had no control over. And when I finally recognized, like you were saying, Stacey, be present in the moment. And that's when the things can occur that's when I start setting myself up for a better future is I can only do what I can do in this moment. I can't do, you know, I can't change anything that's going to happen at four o'clock this afternoon. But if I do the right things right now in this moment, four o'clock this afternoon is going to look pretty good. I'd imagine by the time I get there and that has really, you know, this causes a lot of conversation. I won't say arguments, but conversations (laughs) with my spouse because she is so future driven when I first met her and trying to schedule the next, you know, that the two year plan, the five year plan, the 10 year plan, all these things, which are not bad things, but for somebody like myself early on, I had to, I, I had to live in that present moment. So I got out of the habit of planning my weeks and my months and my years because my mindset was so black and white that if something didn't happen in that plan, man, life was over. Like now what do I do? Like my plan fell apart. And for me, it's that, self-worth piece would come back into play and oh you couldn't even do this right and you fucked this up and you did this wrong and so yeah that living in the present moment was a big uh, tool in my tool belt to to successfully move forward in my recovery and in life in general because yeah I was so future driven and so focused on things that I'm going to get in the future that so much of my life blew right past me and I didn't recognize any of it
2: yeah, that's that's easy to do. And I think it's easy to do with work, too. It, it's I always equate it to like feeling like you had to like reprove. And that was something that I always lived on, like a irrational thought that I like needed to be successful and I needed to constantly be growing in my career and things to show people that like. You know, I'm not the person I was before. Right. Right. And, and you, you can almost lose yourself in that mindset. Yeah. And then you do, you blow past your kids and, and life goes by and you're like, for what? Mm -hmm. You know, like I'm, I'm at a point where my kids are going to be leaving the house soon. That's crazy. And I'm like, my kid laid in bed and sat and we looked at colors and I was reading and we, she wants to like learn color code. And I was like, you know, this is the greatest moment Like the greatest moment, because we are just sitting here looking at what date of our birthdays does color come in? And you know what I mean? Like you miss out on, on that stuff when we're just zooming by and always focusing on, on what's next, what's next, what's next. And you do, you lose, you lose the present. And I was like, I did. I just had like the best moment ever. Yeah. She was mad at me the day before. So I was like, oh no, she loves me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> a win,
2: a win it mom. was a win for mommy, yeah. yeah, But it was like, we had walked, she got upset. And just being able to have those moments is yeah. is so much more valuable.
3: Well, and it's so true, right? Than like, the
2: career chasing, income yeah. chasing. When
3: I was me in my previous yeah. life, right? I, I was tied to this, what does success look like, right? And it's mm-hmm. the next promotion. It's the next zero on my bank account. It's all these things. And I chased those for so long and was future focused that, you know, I, we talked about this the other day, you know, I have a a new six month old at home and I also have a 22 and a 16 year old and I've done more and it's nothing that I'm, I'm not proud of it, but I've been present and done more in my current life with this young fellow than I did with my previous boys because of that concept and the way I used to live and, you know, never present and one mix in, substance use and drinking and all these things, right? When I was present, I wasn't present mentally, I was present physically, but I was usually banged up or hung over or planning the next party or doing all these things. And I missed so much of their lives, which I can't get back. And that's the piece now I focus on is, you know, those present moments with, with Oliver and uh, yeah soaking them all in. Cause I know how fast they go. Suddenly you have kids ready to leave the house and suddenly
2: you're like, where did that, where did time go?
3: Totally. Right. Yeah. And, and that's another, we speak about this lots on the show. That's another gift of recovery is that present moment piece and seeing things for what they really are and the importance of them. Right. And the lack of importance in the other things that we used to look at and think that was what drove our life. And now it's like, I don't give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: And that that is really the ultimate, you know, example of of surrender is that our values and our belief system does change. Mm -hmm. And it changes to, you know, fit our new reality. You know, like I, I know that the mental illness that I suffered in life. Uh, was directly related to my view of how I thought I was expected to live mm-hmm. in this world, you know, to be a man, to not show emotion, to be career oriented, to be the provider, I guess, is mm-hmm. the, the the simple way to put it, um, you know, and uh, to to suffer <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was really the, the bottom line was, you know, put your personal... Th- feelings aside and and wants and concerns and suffer for the greater cause. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, and and I believe that those were misplaced beliefs and values, you know, and they were unattainable. And, um, you know, the fact that um, surrender helped me to see that um, is the value in it. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I, I didn't have the good fortune to bestow new new you know, beliefs and, and, values on, uh, children. I never had a family or ever had children, but, um, I see the value in breaking those cycles today, yeah. you know, to stop this. Um, you know, I, 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 heard a friend share not too long ago that, you know, if, if you're concerned, she was looking at uh, a potential, um, boyfriend slash Uh, future husband, and uh, she was told to, you know, well, look at his father and whatever his father is, is what, what he's going to turn out to be. And I was just amazed when I heard that. And, uh, you know, and, and I thought, boy, you know, that, that is the perception of our world is Mm -hmm. that we carry on the patterns of our ancestors and, um, and how hard that is to change. And, and that will only change when we see, you know, the fact that maybe some of the things that we learned to, you know, learn growing up had to be, had, had to be let go of, for sure. <laughs> you know, the false belief <laughs> systems that, that, uh, you know, weren't truly um, best for us yeah. and, you know, and, and uh, how to break those cycles. The cycles would happen over and over and over again in addiction, mm-hmm. you know, the same things would happen. Maybe it would take a little longer or a little shorter for things to reappear <laughs> over and over again, um, you know, through this process that can stop. Yeah. You know that truly can stop, and and maybe we're not the person that we want to be, but we'll certainly be the person that we you know we could be in the future. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, and, totally. uh, and and as long as I can find it acceptable today, um, I'll be all right. And uh, so you know, all those things sort of are are branches of the same tree. And you know, and I listen to you guys and how you're instilling mm-hmm. new pertinent values in your children today and hopefully they won't have to suffer Mm -hmm. the degradation. And, And if they do, you know, we get to be that living example of, well, we can come back from that, Yeah, you know, and, 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 uh, you know, we won't ever have a chance to do this day over again. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what we do today is that important, you know? So if it, I can, you know, I know my parents did their best, even though I yeah. grew up in alcoholism and, and very dysfunctional living processes with mental illness and addiction. Um, you know, I know that they did the best they could mm-hmm. and they did provide me with enough, Living skills to survive to this very moment in time, yeah. you know. And I got the opportunity to refine those as an adult, but we really only get one chance to influence our children prior to them becoming
2: adults, isn't that? The truth, you know,
0: eh? or, or I don't want to say generally we, because I never had that experience. But in my experience, I've noticed. Yeah, for sure.
2: <laughs> so. Yeah, I think the cool thing, like too with mine in in their age today, is if I know that sometimes I can be <laughs> reactive too and not you know, not have the best outcome or say the right things, but I, I can apologize to them today too, for my wrongdoings and let them know that I was wrong in a situation that maybe didn't go over as well. For sure. Right. And I think that's pretty cool. Accountability. To Accountability. Nice. Yeah. I was an asshole. today. <laughs> 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 Sorry. Yeah.
3: When I think breaking that cycle, like you were talking about Stacy and, and Amber and I, yeah, we have a chance to do it now and we're working on it and, it was that, you know, you talk about values and stuff, right? And and your parents doing what they could and doing the best they could at the time and all those things, right? And, and Rick and I had our moms on here a few weeks ago and, and that's what we talk about too is it's not about assigning blame and we're not blaming people. It's people did the best they could at that time with what they knew and based on their generational upbringings and these things, right? That was their normal and we're not blaming anybody for it. But when I got into recovery that whole piece around surrender, you know, it, it, it coincides with my core beliefs that I was brought up with and they weren't serving me. And, and that's cutting that, that, uh, cycle is surrendering to these values that really weren't mine and they're not serving me anymore. And now I get a chance to figure out who I am and what values do I, what do I, Ryan, what do I value in life? And those are the things that I can start you know, exhibiting. And those are the things that, like you said, people are going to learn from what they see and what we're doing, right? Actions speak louder than words. And, and that's what, you know, the people around me see today is this person, not who I used to be. And that's all comes down to that surrendering piece too. I surrendered to not knowing what was best for me, not knowing that uh, my, my value system was kind of skewed, (laughs) And, and that's, you know, surrender isn't just throwing that white flag up. It's, it's, that's part of it, but it's like, okay, now what, and what am I really surrendering to? And that's, you know, the basis of this whole conversation is it's, it can be complex, right. But it all starts with acknowledging that, man, what I've been doing, isn't working for me. Yeah. Now what?
2: I think the cool thing with kids too, is even though, you know, you may have missed out a little bit on, on times when your kids were young, I we still have a lot of life to live and our kids, I don't think kids ever stop looking up to their parents no. and what they're doing and the decisions that they're making. Mm-hmm. As I always tell people, there's, it doesn't matter at what age you, you ask for help because there's no right or wrong time to change our habits and behaviors and how we think and feel. Mm-hmm. Right? Christ,
3: I was 40 before yeah. I asked for help.
0: <laughs> and, and time really is the ultimate yeah. wild card in life, you know, yeah. and, and I, I I think it devalues the fact that I put it that way because when I start talking about, you know, quantum <laughs> physics and things like that, you know, uh, time is is that thing that um, things only happen in the time that they do, you know, so hustling, uh, pushing, forcing solutions, they're not going to, you know, provide the results that we're hoping for. Mm-hmm. They seem so obvious, you yeah. know, when things aren't going the way I want them to go, I'm gonna force a solution. I'm gonna intervene and react yeah. or act, you know, and and uh, try to to guide things in a certain way. And, you know, like, like you said, um, it, it happens when it happens, you know, and I see that with people with children. I see it in my own life. Yeah. You know, I know that I'm only where I'm at today because it took this much time to get here. <laughs> yeah. You know, I didn't get here The first year I tried this or the fifth year, the 10th year, you know, the the timing is is divine. And, um, you know, and in that way, um, that reminds me of, of truly surrendering on a daily basis is the fact that, you know, if there's one thing I truly don't have control over, it's time. Yeah, You know, and, and that's why um, it, it it's important to do what I do when I do it. And I hear that from you guys when mm-hmm. you when you talk about your, you know, experiences with your children, you know, it doesn't matter when you do it. It just matters that you do do it. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, sometime in the future, it will make sense, yeah. you know, and, and they certainly will understand it. You know, I'm, I'm sure my parents didn't know that the, the effects mm-hmm. they were having on me at the times that they did, mm-hmm. but they instilled enough at those times, you know, and then I might have resented them for it, or or even hated them, you know, or or even an employer or or a partner, you know, when things didn't go the way I thought they should have went. And uh, today I can look back and see how, you know, much grace there was in that timing, yeah. and that you know, the only time that we don't have time is when we cease to exist. Yeah. <laughs> then yeah. then time's no longer an issue, you know. <laughs> so, um, yeah. I'm very very grateful for that, you know ability mm-hmm. to surrender to that part of life today
2: yeah. oh. wow mm-hmm. i always just find myself in awe <laughs> let's just hang out here all day i'll listen to you guys chat
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh man um you know it's funny i was looking i i always when i sit in my office and i always look around i look through different literature and always trying to do something right because if we're not learning and we're not, we stop growing, right? When we think we know it all, <laughs> we don't know anything then. And yeah. uh, Anyway, so I'm always looking and I'm always keeping my eyes open and I'm, I'm not just recovery literature, just in general, right? And you kind of reminded me of something, Amber, when you talked about 40 years old and, and I think it was, I think it was Carl Jung that's, that said, you know, you don't really start living till you're 40. Everything up until then is just research. And, and man, can I ever relate to that? Cause I used to say that a lot to myself when I first got into recovery, I was like, yeah, he's going back out to do some more research or I went out to do some more research. Right. And, and, uh, and that really hit home for me as man, all the research I did and the time that you're speaking of Stacy and everything had to. It's funny that it just hinges on 40 because that's, you know, it's about me again. It's all about me, (laughs) but no, it's, it's like the timing had to be right. I knew that the consequences were piling up. I knew these things, right. And I knew what I was doing was not working, but it wasn't until that specific moment in time when I was ready to, to throw that white flag up and say, fuck, I am done fighting. This has been exhausting and it's not working for me. But yeah, you're right. It comes down to time. And we have so many people that reach out to us that, you know, I have so-and-so struggling daughter, insert daughter, son, spouse, whatever it is, what can I do for them? I want them to get fixed today or you know what I mean? And it's like the timing piece is so huge in that because if we could fix people, man, we wouldn't need to have this podcast. We wouldn't need to have, therapists just to fix people yeah (laughs) if
2: it was easy to tell people to stop and they listened and it worked yeah yeah. addiction would cease to exist
3: right how well did that work for nancy reagan (laughs) (laughs) and the and the just stop drugs are bad but yeah it's it's unfortunately it all comes down to the individual and the timing and when the when the surrender is the right time for them and a lot of it is unconscious some of it's conscious it's hard to say but yeah. You know, I've read another quote that talked about the unconscious, until the unconscious becomes conscious, it'll run your life and you'll call it fate. And when I started looking at that, I'm like, isn't that the truth? Because for me, that ran my life. Oh, this is just how it's supposed to be. This is what it's going to be like for the rest of my life. And that unconscious, until I brought it to the forefront and surrendered and became accountable to all that shit, you know, yeah. then I could start seeing that man, this present moment is going to direct some of my fate. It's mm-hmm. not f- you know, all that negative stuff I was doing wasn't fate. It was all me. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Our lives weren't designed to go down into turmoil and that's not a way to live for anybody. Mm -hmm. And living that way is a terrible way of life. I know it was for me. And I do, I remember feeling like there was nothing that was going to get me out of my addiction. Like, yeah, life sucked. (laughs) I thought I got no hope. There's nothing that I want in life. Like, yeah, just the pit. Yeah. Right. Until you, it's like, yeah, you do, you have this a moment and you're like, man, maybe this isn't how I live.
3: Mm -hmm. And when I think about that, like that unconscious piece and the more I think about it, it comes into, you know, those core values that were instilled from an early age that became something that I didn't even think about anymore. Right. I just reacted based on the, the thoughts around those core values. And that's that unconscious piece for me. And that guided my life for so long. And a lot of the negative stuff that came with that concept of, like you said earlier, Stacy, what a man looks like, what do you, we fix our problems. We don't talk about our emotions. We don't talk about really anything. Um, until I recognize that and can move it from the unconscious patterns of my life to be more present and focused on it. And then I can start changing those things. Yeah. It's been a huge, when people say you got to do the work and do the self-work, this is the stuff we're talking about. It's not just reading a unfuck yourself book or whatever it is. Right. It's like, maybe that's step one, but for you, but it's the work that comes after and it's continuous. And it's, yeah. Like you alluded to earlier, Stacey, it's a daily thing. It's not, you know, just one and done.
2: No, I think anything in, in our path has the potential to derail us. If we're not, if we're not consciously or unconsciously worrying about our recovery or focusing on our recovery, not necessarily worrying.
0: Well, and you know, like I, I did actually mention earlier about, you know, surrendering to the fact that people may not get this right away or yeah. loved ones may not change right away. It's, it's to help um, give them the dignity to keep coming back until they do, mm-hmm. you know, I couldn't yeah. change until the day I changed. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and the one, I always hear, you know, families and friends of, and loved ones of people that are, are suffering an addiction and mental illness, they're, they're so fearful of losing That person in their life, and and I tell them over and over, you've never truly lost somebody if you're still there. Mm -hmm. You know, you've only lost somebody if they can't find you. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and and that's that's a surrender to this terrible, terrible disease is the fact that, you know, we have to let people find their way here. Mm -hmm. Period, you know, and if they got to keep going back out there and, and staying with what's familiar until there's absolutely no other choice, that's what it's going to take, you know, and, and if I got to sit here forever until they come back, I, there's no better place to be (laughs) (laughs) waiting for them to come back in the door, you know? Um, So when someone does want to change their life, when they do want help, when they do want to reach out, I truly hope I'm, I'm here to grab their hand when they
3: reach for it. Yeah. So. Absolutely. That's the beauty of, you know, the rooms. Yeah. Is uh there's no wait list. There's no sign up sheet. There's no you just show up and they're always gonna be there. Um and they're always welcoming. And it doesn't matter if it's your first time or your your twentieth time back through those doors. What really matters is you're coming back through them and you have the opportunity to come through them again. And you know I would They were there for me when I came back through them the second time, you know, I didn't get it the first time either. And, and without those rooms being there, I don't know where I'd be today. But for me, it was, you know, that, that warm, welcoming, we're just going to kind of love you until you love yourself. And, and that's a process too. You you know, nobody ends up in, in the 12 step rooms or in an addiction counselor's office because they want to be there. Right. But it is an option and it's a, it's a loving, welcoming option and, and it's immediate it's there when you need it, it's there. And, and you'll stick around the room, stick around, you know, the action pieces to recovery and, and you'll end up running into somebody who shares a message that resonates with you. Like Stacy has shared with me early on and there's a lot of other people that have taken things from too. Right. And without those rooms, I don't think I would have made it to a counselor. I don't think I would have made it to, you know, and this is my experience, but that was, part of my recovery that was the foundational piece was was step one and and going to the rooms of 12 step and then I could start piecing other things into my recovery and that was a therapist and that was medication and that was other things but yeah I, I just can't say put it into words how grateful I am for the rooms of 12 step because you know we're not here to promote them but in my experience that saved my life
2: Yeah, they, they really are welcoming and you do feel at home and there's lots of people there to love you when you can't love yourself. That's exactly it. Mm -hmm. Hey, I love them too.
0: Well, the, the war really does rage on out there and, (laughs) and unfortunately, um, there is no sides. There's, there is no, you know, right. There's no wrong, um, you know, anybody in active addiction or fighting mental illness knows that, uh, the, the enemy is demoralization, degradation, and, and, um, you know, just, just an unhealthy way of life. And, you know, that's, that is the enemy today. And, uh, you know, we don't need to live in that degradation. No, we don't need to find, you know, foes out there. The foe is, you know, unseen, but very real. So, you know, um, hopefully that takes the stigma out of, the battles yeah. that we fight to get here, you know, to really help feel like we belong, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I know it sure has worked for me, and and uh, you know, I, I, I don't just speak to the person suffering with the addiction today, or or you know, or the illness. I I speak to the friends and and loved ones that are supporting them, mm-hmm. you know, to to really help them see their way through, because unfortunately, you know, the 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 drugs, the alcohol they'll show us what powerlessness and unmanageability is, you know, for our loved ones, seeing our lives deteriorate is an insanity that there is really no, um, help for, mm-hmm. you know, in some areas and, uh, yet there is, yeah. <laughs> there's solutions for that as well. Um, but it's by far the more painful, um, experience to have to, to watch a loved one, mm-hmm. you know, deteriorate to this disease. And, and, uh, so for those people, you know, we think of you as well.
2: Oh, wow. thanks, Stacey. Amazing. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on today. Thank you so much for being here.
3: Absolutely. Thanks, Amber. Any and last
2: words there, bud? Uh, I cut you off.
3: That's okay. That's okay. I, I just wanted to say that uh, I'm so grateful for you and your recovery, because without that, without you being in recovery, I don't know if where I would end up today, right? Because it was your message at the, at the meetings that I went to early on in my recovery that— uh, gave me the motivation and the hope that, you know, if it worked for you, why can't it work for me? And, and here we are seven years later. And so thank you for that. And thank you for joining us today. Cause I know, you know, a lot of these things that we hear in the rooms, you know, it's unfortunate that you, you almost have to burn your life to the ground to come in those rooms, to, to, to have enough pain in your life to get into those rooms to hear these messages. So this is what, you know, this is what recovery looks like. You know, we talked about early on the fear of the unknown. Well, this is what the unknown can be is, is this what we're doing today, right? It's, it's every day isn't sunshine and rainbows like we, we like to say, but we can get through them all and and we can continue working on our recovery and we can continue to benefit and to, you know, make positive change in our lives. And, it's way better than it ever used to be. So anyone who's out there struggling, you know, and you're, you're closing in on the end, you're just too scared to reach out or too scared of the unknown. This is what the unknown can look like. And, and recovery is amazing. And there's a lot of people out there that want to help you with it. They can't do it for you, but they're there to walk beside you and help you with navigate it. So just thanks for coming in today, man. It's, it's amazing sitting in here.
2: It's so great. Yeah. I love listening to both of you guys talk. It's been a wonderful experience for me. It always is in this room. And so, yeah, thank you both. Hope you have a wonderful day.
3: Thanks, Amber.
0: Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, Amber. I'm truly grateful that I was able to speak with you guys today and uh, that you have this wonderful podcast to reach out to people. Um, I'm grateful that, you know, I've been able to affect your life, Mm -hmm. but I know that, you know, I'm just standing on the shoulders of giants. You know, (laughs) there's people that, that helped me get here and, and, uh, you know, and I barely even made a start at this recovery journey. So, mm-hmm. you know, anybody out there that, that's just starting know that, you know, there is a future. So thank you, both of you.
2: You bet. Absolutely. Look
1: forward to having you back.
3: For sure. The end.
1: The end, Wizard. From Darkness to Life is an Our Collective Journey podcast. These are the true stories of struggles and triumphs against addiction and mental health challenges. If these stories resonate with you and you or someone you love need help and don't know where to turn, Our Collective Journey is here for you. Please consider supporting OCJ by visiting ourcollectivejourney.ca and clicking Donate. All proceeds go to supporting the health and wellness of people in our community. Hosted by members of Our Collective Journey. Produced by Rob Pape. Engineered, edited, and directed by Dave Crookshank. From Darkness to Life is a Plugged In Media Network exclusive. Thank you for listening.